the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 20th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1937, President Franklin D. Roosevelt became the first chief executive to be inaugurated on January 20 instead of March 4th. Today, in 1841, the island of Hong Kong was ceded by China to Great Britain, returned to Chinese control in July of 1997. Today, in 1961, John F. Kennedy was inaugurated as the 35th President of the United States. Today, in 1981, Iran released 52 Americans that it had held hostage for 444 days. Just minutes, they released them just minutes after the presidency passed from Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan. It matters who's president of the United States. Today, in 1986, the United States observed the first federal holiday to honor the slain civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. Today, in 2009, Barack Obama was sworn in as the nation's 44th president, as well as the first African-American president. Today in 2011, federal authorities orchestrated one of the biggest mafia takedowns in FBI history. They charged 127 suspected mobsters and associates with the mobsters in the Northeast with murders, extortion, and other crimes spanning decades. And today in 2017, Donald Trump... Donald Trump was sworn in as the 45th president of the United States. Among other things, he pledged to empower Americans, quote, forgotten men and women. And as they say, the rest is history. Donald Trump made a mark that cannot be erased, although they try. But um, that was an interesting time. We'll see what happens going forward. Donald Trump has said he's running for president. He's declared it, and he says he's not going to back out. It doesn't matter what happens. Others in the Republican Party are planning to run for president as well. We'll see how all that plays out. It's going to be very, very interesting. But today on January 20, 2023, pro-life Americans from all across the nation have gathered in Washington, D.C., by the hundreds, some say by the hundreds of thousands. I don't know, that may be an overstatement. I don't know how many are there, but there's a mass of them. I was watching a little live news feed just before I came on the air live here at, at 9 a.m. And um, there are a lot of people there. And I don't know how many, we'll find out later. But the, the um, pro-life people that go to this march are many, and they've been doing this. Since 1970, the year after 1973. But this year is different. Thousands of pro-life activists will have multiple reasons to celebrate. There's no question about that. And some some reasons for unease. (laughs) 
When they gather today in Washington, D.C. for the annual March of Life, they know that the battle is not over. The news media today will do their best to ignore the event, just like, oh, it's, it's not newsworthy. Some will cover it. Some will find a negative little barb to attach to it to tell the nation that all these crazies are marching around in Washington, D.C., trying to ban abortion, take away a woman's right to her own body. But the news media will generally ignore it. They will not do it any favors. A few will, but most will not. But I I will tell you, each time the people uh, gather in Washington, D.C. for the March for Life, and there are other marches across the country that take place as well, but this march, the March for Life anywhere, but the one in Washington, D.C. in particular, Anytime these people come together for this, it is one of the strongest statements that is made in this nation, except for those who vote in a national election. It is that big of a deal. Why is it such a big deal? And why do people march sometimes in the snow and the ice and the rain and so on? I mean, January 20th is not midsummer anywhere in America. Well, maybe in the Keys below Florida or in the desert, California desert or Arizona desert sometimes. But for the most part, this is not summertime in America. There's a number of reasons why these people do this and why I am sold out to it, I will tell you. One of the verses in the Bible has been a constant reminder to me, not a driving force, but an encouraging force to do what I have done in my life because I have felt that God has called me to do the things that we've done and whether they were significant or not so much in the eyes of people, I've always tried to be faithful. And I think the masses of people that hit the streets in Washington, D.C. feel that same way. And one of the verses that directs us, all of us, to do the things we do for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God on this earth, are the verses in the Bible that instruct us to take action, to do something, to do things. One of them that I have found to be one of my favorite passages of encouragement and kind of lifts my purposes and heightens my actions. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, 15, and 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Our founding fathers quoted that. In fact, great sermon was written on the boat on the way over here. City on a hill. They envisioned America as being that city on a hill. And it did become that because of the foundational truth and the principles that were put in place when this nation was founded and the faith, the inspiring, the the never-failing faith of the people who founded this country. Today we are seeing the results of that. We see the results of neglecting it for sure, but we see the results of that faith, that purposeful action of our founding fathers still is in the hearts of millions and millions of Americans. 
I include myself as one of them. I hope you do as well. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in Washington, D.C. as we speak. This year's march, which includes a rally that has drawn pro-life abortion opponents from across the nation, it's been held annually since January 1974, a year after the U.S. Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision established a nationwide right to abortion. There is no right to abortion, but they said there was, and so the nation moved to the left and moved toward killing children that we didn't want anymore. They were inconvenient and ill-timed. This year's gathering, 50 years after that decision, will be the first since last June when the high court struck down Roe v. Wade and returned authority over abortion to the individual states. A lot of people, the Democrats were running around last year, as you may recall, saying, oh, you know, if the, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, uh, they'll be you know, violating the Constitution. That was, of course, a complete lie. But they were saying that. But that didn't settle the matter of killing unwanted, unborn babies because it is divisive. It is demonic to want to do that. It's against nature. It's against nature's God, the creator of all things. This year's theme of the march in D.C. happening as we speak is marching into the post-Roe America. And that embraces the pivoted position that the pro-life movement finds itself in, the battle largely shifts from federal regulations to the states for activists seeking to reframe the abortion debate in America. The high court decision has certainly been a victory. I make no bones about that. We'll take it. But for those who mistakenly thought, well, it's all over now. We won't have abortions anymore. Oh no, I wish. But it's not, it's not the way it is. But since the high court struck down Roe and the matter of abortion was referred back to the states, 12 Republican-governed states have implemented sweeping bans on abortion, and several others seek to do the same thing. I, I talk about it on this program often. I, I hope you hear it here or somewhere. We need to know that there are, there are good men and women behind the scenes, elected officials, Sometimes I point out the flaws and the idiocy of some of the people we've elected to high office in this country. But I want to tell you, there are some good people as well. Some of the people we elected, we we knew what we were doing just between you and me. We voted for the right people. And they're, they're working and they're doing what needs to be done. Abortion opponents were defeated in votes on ballot measures in Kansas, Michigan, and Kentucky. And state courts have blocked several bans from taking effect. But I I want you to know that some of the elected leaders in those states, man, they're taking action. They're going for this. And myriad efforts are underway to help women in abortion ban states either get abortions out of the state or use the abortion pill for self-managed abortions. There is the undercurrent of these people that are doing good, that are being the city on the hill, the, the light of the world, the city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, those people are working to bring about a culture of life while there's this undercurrent, this dark movement that's taking place behind the scenes often, but in front of all of us sometimes. And they're trying to 
extend and perpetuate this culture of death. It is a battle between good and evil. It is a battle between light and dark. It is a battle and a rebellion against Almighty God who created all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in that process of creation, he created a male and a female who would come together and bear children, and that would be the human race that we know today. We didn't evolve, we were created. These are the driving truths that people hold deeply in their heart, and I am one of them, and hopefully so are you. Carol Tobias is president of the National Right to Life Committee. She said it's almost like the old wild, wild west. She said everything is shaking out. She said with numerous Democrat-governed states taking steps to protect and expand abortion access, Tobias likened the current situation to the pre-Civil War era. You know, that I had thought I had that thought the other day as I was there. I thought, man, this is I was studying, I was preparing for this program, and I thought, you know, this whole abortion thing, I mean, it is a copy of slavery. And it is because it's rooted in some of the same demonic roots. Anyway, she likened this current situation to the pre-Civil War era when the nation was closely divided between free states and slave states. And that's where we are now. There are states that are becoming abortion. Jay Inslee in Washington State has been talking about, well, we'll welcome all the women who want abortions. And, of course, not to be outdone, uh, Oregon jumped in. Kate Brown, the former governor, has been talking about we'll be a sanctuary state. And California is over the top. They are one, and they're going to bring in people and on and on and on. So there is this war, this contest that's going on between life and death. I mean, it just is. There's no other way to look at this. It's the abortion, the abortion movement is like the flat earth society in my mind. I don't know if others have noted this or not, but to me, it's like the flat earth society. There was a time when people thought the, the, the end of the earth was the horizon that they could see. So they would look out, you know, across the hills or across the ocean or whatever, and they'd say, wow, that's the end of the earth out there. Because they were uninformed. They didn't understand. I think that could be a fairly good illustration of the abortion people. They look out and what they see out there is an unwanted child intruding into their lives for whatever reason. And they look at that and they say, wow, that's the end of it all. We've got to, I mean, you know, my rights trump the right to life in this fetus. They can no longer refer to as a fetus or a mass because now we can, we see the pictures. <laughs> it's a little baby. Then they respond. I mean, they're like us because they are us. So that has really dampened the old this is a fetus, it's not really a child argument. <clears throat> but they look out, and the, their truth, which is not the truth, limits them to only seeing the horizon, and they feel that that's the end of the world as far as abortion and all is concerned. And I think these folks could rightly be called the Flat Earth Society, the abortion activists. 
I will tell you, I will tell you, there is a resolve that I haven't seen in recent years to not let this continue in America. We have to ask ourselves from time to time, what will history say? I think history will record this period of time in America if time continues, and I believe the Lord is returning soon. But should time continue, and the historians write, and I know there's a lot of historians who want to rewrite history and revise history, but any accurate look at this period of time down the road somewhere, over-the-shoulder look, historic look, is going to see a time in, in, in America, where we devalued life, we disrespected the unborn babies and girls, we trivialized the harm that was suffered by women. The United States and the world must recognize the breathtaking miracle of the newly created life of, of an unborn child and that women deserve better than abortion. We need to care and love for both of them. Future generations will someday look back on us, I I truly believe, and wonder how and why a society that bragged about its commitment to human rights could have legally sanctioned and aggressively promoted child beheadings and dismemberment and chemical poisoning and forced expulsion from the womb. I mean, how how can we, on the one hand, proclaim to be the light of the world and on the other hand be creating some of the most barbaric conditions and practicing some of the most barbaric practices. It breaks my heart. I hope it breaks yours as well. But that's where we are. The president of March for Life, Jeannie Mancini, she depicted the June ruling as a massive victory for the pro-life movement. It is. But she continued. She said, but... The battle to build a culture of life is far from over. She said March for Life will continue to advocate for the unborn policies that protect them until abortion becomes unthinkable. Oh, I pray that day will come sooner than later. Prospects for any federal legislation restricting abortion nationwide are negligible now, given that any such measures emerging from the Republican-led House will face rejection in the Democrat-led Senate. Can I remind you that voting matters? It does. I hear Christians, some of them are friends from long years, and I hear them saying, some of them, I hear them saying, Oh, I don't want to get involved in politics. I, oh, you know, I don't, well, my vote doesn't count and on and on. And you don't, I don't want to get involved in politics and I can't vote for Donald Trump. Look at his life or whatever. And all of it, the sum of all of it is that they reject becoming that light. They let, they let Satan blow out the little flame. Remember that little chorus we used to sing? In Sunday school, those of us who grew up in Sunday school, going to Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I used to, as a little kid, I used to really look forward to that part because our teacher, our Sunday school teacher taught us to go, I don't want to blow into the microphone, but she taught us to go 
like that instead of, you know, instead of don't let Satan blow it out. Don't let Satan it out. And man, I would get, I would just blow my little lungs out because I love that part of the song. I remember the words to this day. It's interesting how we carry those things from our childhood, isn't it? But it's true. We let, today we let Satan, we let the culture, we let what's happening in our world, we let it blow out our our flame. And Jesus himself said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. And too many Christians today are kind of saying, well, yeah, I'm, I want to serve Jesus, but where's the, what, can I get a bushel so I can put my light under it? I don't want, I don't want the conflict. I don't want the controversy. I mean, there's people in my neighborhood on my cul-de-sac. They, I mean, they won't speak to me if they know what I really believe, and on and on it goes. That's part of the problem. It's not all of the problem, but it's part of the problem that we have in our nation today. Elective abortions are also unavailable in Wisconsin, but since June, your total bans on abortion have been implemented in Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and West Virginia. There was one one lone clinic in North Dakota. It's been moved to Minnesota now. It's all politics. Some states want to enhance this culture of death and perpetuate it. And some states are deciding, no way, we're not going to do it. Star Parker is the president of the Center for Urban Renewal. I appreciate what she writes. She's a black woman, very insightful. And I appreciate what she writes. I pay attention to what she writes. She says about this issue, she says, This is what pro-life Americans have been working toward and praying for all these years. And now we show that our nation is still a nation where dreams can come true and a nation where, despite often losing our way, sooner or later, truth returns. Amen. But she clearly sees the fight ahead and she sees the real fight. She said Pew Research reports in Dobbs, that was the case that overturned and brought down Roe v. Wade, She said the Supreme Court ruled to, quote, end the constitutional right to abortion. She takes issue with that. She says National Public Radio reported last June that the court reversed Roe v. Wade, declaring that the constitutional right to abortion upheld for nearly a half century no longer exists. The Dobbs decision, she says, was not just about abortion. It was about restoring the way the court should be doing its job. I agree. The court cannot, despite what many in the media seem to think create or end rights. The court's job, the judicial review, is to apply, not create reality. That reality is the U.S. Constitution. There was no right in the Constitution for women to kill their unwanted, unborn child. They have never had that right. But the media has gone on and on and on, and Parker makes this point. And they've said, oh, they've ended the right. They didn't end the right. They ended the injustice. There was never a right constitutionally. The court cannot, despite what many in the media seem to think, create or end rights. The court's job is judicial review. It's to apply, not create reality. The complaint all these years about Roe v. Wade has been that only someone only that someone will either 
a very active imagination or a very active conviction that their personal opinion is more important than what the Constitution actually says. That's the people who embrace a living Constitution. And there are still some on the Supreme Court. Obama, Obama appointees, for the most part, I pray to God that we can get a president who will do what Trump did and elect people to the Supreme Court that understands the thing that us little people out here understand very clearly. They don't create law. They interpret according to the Constitution. Consider the preamble of the Constitution. It explains the purpose to, quote, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. Prosterity. Can anyone believe that the drafter of that envisioned among those blessings the liberty or the right for a woman to abort a child because it's inconvenient or not wanted? I don't think so. Parker said, and despite all the claims about caring about racial justice in our nation, my organization, CURE, that's the organization she started, reports in a new policy briefing the impact of abortion on the black community that in 2020, 39.2% of the abortions were on black women who represent just 14% of the childbearing population. Interestingly, the data also shows, and I, I would mention this, that 86% of abortions are done on unmarried women, which points to the critical link between the destructive behavior and the collapse of marriage and family, which marriage and family are the pillars of a healthy society. Everybody knows that. But we get up every day and we fight for our right for abortion. God help us. Forgive us of our sins. Turn us back to the, to God and to his principles and to his word. The approach to winning on abortion in federal races, proven for a decade, is, is this. The state clearly, the ambitious consensus, pro-life position, and contrast that with extreme view of Democrat opponents. Marjorie uh, Dannenfelser, she is the president of SBA of Pro-Life America, she says she's not surprised by the divisive ups and downs that have unfolded since the June ruling. She said, we always knew it wouldn't be a straight line after Rose repeal. She said, we know neither side is going to lie down and die. The fight will continue. I think I think that is the one of the most incredible statements that anyone made during this last few days and during this day of the March for Life in Washington, D.C. No one is going to lay down and die. They're going to fight on. We look at the spirit of the fight. The spirit of the fight for life, ye are the light of the world. The spirit of the light of the fight is that life begins at conception. God is the source of life, as opposed to those who see life as merely, in some cases, an accident. That's what this is about. I want to take a moment today before we say goodbye, and we will in a few seconds here, but thank you for your support. We, we need it. These are very um, troubling, very 
unstable times in our country, and we do the best we can to bring you an understanding of what's happening in light of God's Word. Thank you for supporting that. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.